0: Swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code Tour Stories10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. when it's released tour story listeners get 10 percent off by using code fret10 that's f-r-e-t-1-0 all at isotope.com that's i-z-o-t-o-p-e.com caleb hello joe what's up hi hi it's great to see you i know it's been a long time um i have a memory of our last time i want to know what your last time memory was one of us is going to be wrong but we also may <laughs> n- neither well, know the thing about, one of us is right or wrong
1: yeah there's always two sides of every story you know
0: <laughs> well as put. i'm fond
1: of saying i coined that term you know
0: yeah i
1: can't wait to hear your story
0: okay you ready for mine first
1: yeah because i have to think of one too
0: i was playing a show in san francisco with a band i think it was the shins and I walked from wherever we played the show to the mission. And earlier the day in that day, I think you said, Hey, I'm playing a show. Mm-hmm. And it was perfectly in between the mission and where I was playing. <laughs> and I stopped by. I probably saw good night. But <laughs> Was it at the independent? I don't think so. I have no idea <laughs> where it was. I actually
1: don't remember that. Yeah. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Do you think that since I don't remember it, maybe it didn't happen? Or do you think that I... I don't think that, don't
0: but I think that's a possibility.
1: Okay. Or, I think it probably happened. I have yeah. a bad... I kind of have a famously bad memory, actually. Oh, okay.
0: Good. Then it yeah. happened.
1: Yeah, it probably did. Um, My last memory of you in person... I can't remember if it was on the Mr. Heavenly tour that I was on... Or if it was with the Shins, which was around the same time, like t- 2012-ish, 2013. Yeah. So I guess the last time I remember really hanging out was the Shins were playing in Santa Cruz. And I was living there. Right. And uh, you invited me along. I invited my s- Basketball arena? <laughs> yeah, it was like a rec center kind of thing. Yeah. Right. And it was right in the center of town. And yeah. we were all like, why is it there? It's so strange.
0: Old basketball um, arena. I don't want people to get the wrong idea. It was like the neato mid-century basketball arena.
1: Yeah, it was like a hall. It was like a basketball hall. Yeah. Like it was old-fashioned. <laughs> Basket- basketball hall? Yeah. You could tell I'm really into sports. <laughs> basketball It was like one of those newfangled basketball halls. Um, and I just remember going, we, we went and had dinner. Yeah. And it was really nice. I remember. And it was at the Red Room. Upstairs, yes, that's right. The red room, where I'm sure you can't do this anymore, but you used to be able to smoke cigarettes
0: like downstairs. Well, after the rest of the world banned smoking
1: in 2012, you still yeah. could do it because I, I still liked, I liked going there. Yeah, <laughs> nothing like if you're from California and you're like, I've never smoked inside of a building. Right. The novelty of that, or if you're from California, you grew up in the 90s or whatever when they banned smoking everywhere. Right. And I just remember we had a really nice dinner.
0: I do too. And
1: it was really pleasant. Yeah. It was like low key and pleasant. And I remember thinking that I had not really met James before and I thought, wow, this is a really nice guy. He's not nice. I he was super nice to me. He was you know why? He's a dick. I remember because I was telling some story or something and then I got lost in my own words. Um, because I was a little bit starstruck, probably to be honest. Yeah. And then and and I said something like, "Oh, it's just whatever. Don't worry about it." And he was like, he like looked me in the eye and was like, "No, go on. Oh. I'm interested or something like really connected." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> okay." <laughs> he wants to talk.
0: <laughs> I I do fondly remember that meal. That was fun.
1: It was really fun.
0: And James is not a dick. He's a sweet guy
1: he's really struck me as being one of the nicer people that I met at that level. You know what I mean? Sure. But you know what? I could tell you the story of the first time we ever encountered each other.
0: Oh, good. I want to hear that. Cause I've been wondering. Okay.
1: This yeah. It's like
0: okay. tour stories, like real tour <laughs> stories.
1: I mean, it's actually, I was just telling my friend about it. Cause he's like, you're going on this podcast. I was like, yeah. And I, he's like, what are you going to say? I'm like, I don't know, but I do know. I will talk about this because the thing is, as a little context, I feel like we've crossed paths every once in a while
0: yeah, on
1: the road in different situations and throughout my time being a musician. And it's always been every six years or so like ah, clockwork. Yeah. This would be, I guess this counts virtually maybe. Yeah. But so um, the first time was in probably 2000, the year 2000. Yeah. And I was, I was a teenager and I had a band's like my first singer-songwriter kind of band in San Luis Obispo where I'm from. And there was this little place called the Railroad Cafe, which was later run by a cult by this guy named Lightning Amen. Really? Um, yeah, you could Wikipedia him. Oh, it's I want to super- look that up. Um, and now it's this place called Sally Lou's. Um, I
0: think that's a great uh, record title for the OCs. Just throwing that Lightning out there. Lightning Amen. But continue, yep.
1: Um, okay, so it's we're at the Railroad Cafe, and I got the great chance, especially it's, it's the year 2000. I'm such an indie rock boy. you know. I've got my trucker cap. <laughs> I've got my modest mouse pin. I've got my pin back pin. But I've also got my Blackheart Procession patch. Ah. And who comes to town with Blackheart Procession? Is? You're right. And whatever person who booked the show or whatever was like, do you want to play? And I was like, oh, my God, that's so amazing. So you guys come to town. You're in the Blackheart Procession. It's this tiny place. It's like... 50 people could fit in there maybe and it I mean I played whatever it was fine it sounded incredible and I just remember watching you and being like how is this human being hitting the drums so aggressively but also in such tight control and it sounds good in this room I mean actually my thoughts probably weren't that sophisticated because I was like 16 but well, I remember thinking that. something yeah how is this handsome <laughs> yeah thin, there you go yeah even you forgot a couple man, things just <laughs> really just like so <laughs> assertively <laughs> but, gently. No, but gently but gently but firmly um just just finessing this drum kit but no I, I remember cuz I I actually have a memory of watching your kick drum pedal of this kind of thing Oh wow yeah. right. neat and then after the show like we hung out um you know like the band and some of the kids hung out for a while. Right. And I don't know if we talked much really, because actually I was kind of afraid of you too, mm. because you were you looked very cool. Oh. You looked very cool and you were so good at the drums. I was like, I don't know if I could talk to this guy. But I talked to Paul. Yeah. And like we talked I remember we talked about um, you know, one of those tour y kind of things where you're like riffing on songs from the eighties that have the word telephone in them or something sure. like that. Yeah. That kind God,
0: of God, that's such a good conversation now with Paul.
1: Yeah. Definitely in terms of my music life it's a core memory. I think it was the first time I'd played with a band that I thought of as like being really important and right. really. And it's like also like well yeah, it is an important band like Well, thanks. John, Johnny Cash thought so. so
0: I know. Like, you know what I mean? We got to we got to uncover that recording. It's so good. Yeah.
1: So that's my first Joe Plummer tour story.
0: I have a question for you, and this is just a speculation that I will ask you in a little bit. But not only did, you know, we we wouldn't have had to remain friends. We live far away from each other, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I, it's kind of like a, like, are we the same sign kind oh. of vibe? I don't hmm. really participate in that, but yeah, you and I have a rapport, I would say. And it's an easy, it's not hard for us.
1: It's like no time has gone by.
0: As if there's no time gone by. Yeah. And I've always, but I I was thinking about it today and it's always been that way.
1: It's true. That's actually true. It's kind of weird, isn't
0: it? Are you an Aquarius? (sighs) Please say
1: yes. So I don't, I'm not super into astrology either, even though I am as a, a queer person supposed to be. Super, <laughs> um, but i do i did sign up for a co-star you know back when everyone had that for a minute yeah and so i do know all my like my sun and my moon and my okay. rising and all that so i am not an aquarius sun okay but i am an aquarius moon which from what i know the sun sign is sort of like what you project to the world that's like where it went the day you were born like which one are you you know i'm a Sagittarius. Yeah. Yeah, but but my moon is Aquarius, and that's supposedly the one that is like your in inside, like your yeah. inner being, like who you really oh, are, kind of. Interesting.
0: Are you an Aquarius? I'm an Aquarius. Do you know your your sun? No, your moon. I don't know any of that. You got to find out. What your I'm going to find is. out. When am gonna get back to you with that? Okay.
1: So I'm a Sagittarius. Sagittarius rising. Okay. Which apparently is like double, double Sag.
0: Oh really? I'm writing this all down. Double Sag. (laughs) Um, And I I brought that up, but that is not the reason I think that we have a connection. Okay. I'll ask you in a few minutes. Uh, So, any speculation? Why we're connected? Yeah. I mean, unless Uh, you don't feel it, I don't want to put you on the spot. And you can say no. I don't know. It's just normal.
1: I'm kind of just interested in your thoughts on this, actually.
0: Uh, Okay. Yeah.
1: I don't have a guess. Okay. Cool. Other than, well, we're both chill, nice people.
0: Yeah. Maybe that's it. I don't know. We have dogs.
1: We both have dogs. Well, I only have one dog. Yeah.
0: I'm rich with dogs now.
1: I have dog poverty.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, you're middle class.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Millie is the most precious dog in the world. So I am a rich man. Well, then,
0: yeah. I don't know where you are right now. Where are you?
1: I am in San Luis Obispo, California actually
0: wow what a nice place
1: yeah you know i'm from here and live here i just spent the last year living in north wales in the uk which was insane and great and i i miss it a bit
0: is that, is that um, where they surf
1: no but it's that it's nearby okay yeah they're surfing um on the west coast and i was kind of on the the north side of the whole island of yeah. Britain. Right. Um don't quote me. I'm not a surfer. Yeah. But no, so I'm in I'm in San Luis Obispo just just hanging. I just got back about three weeks ago.
0: All right. Well welcome back. Thank you. Okay, so here we go. We're jumping right into it. Did you, so you did grow up there?
1: I did. I grew up in a town called Los Osos, which is just the ten bears? miles the bears. It's. I think its full name is La Canada de los Osos, which is the Canada of the bears. No, it's the. It's, oh, thank you. It's the Valley of the Bears. So there used to be a lot of grizzly bears. Of course, okay. they were all brutally murdered.
0: Okay. I have. Okay, we're getting we're getting somewhere. How? What was the population of Los Osos?
1: Oh, I see where you're going with this. Um, Twelve thousand.
0: Oh, okay. When uh-huh. I grew
1: up there, I think it's something like sixteen now, sixteen thousand.
0: My theory's slowly falling apart, but Shoot. not completely. We still have right, one your... thing, one thing to hang on to. So I think <laughs> I'm just going to get to it. Jump <laughs> to it. Um, yeah. Again, I was thinking about it today, and I think I, f- maybe even you and I talked about it, possibly six years ago or twelve years ago. 12, um, yeah, twelve. I grew up in a town called Mariposa, which is by Yosemite.
1: Yes, very small.
0: Five thousand people, and that was what I kind of thought. What might have been our connection? Link, yeah, small
1: town, California.
0: Yeah, like our communication style, maybe. Uh, but you know, this isn't science here. But um, well, I
1: would say I would say that a town like Los Osos versus a town like Mariposa has certain things in common.
0: Probably a lot, really. I mean. It's just a small town. 7,000 people. Ranching, rolling hills. Yeah. Boredom. I mean, that's
1: there's nothing to do. Yeah. There's a lot of rednecks. Yeah. You get called a faggot from a truck a lot. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that.
0: Yeah, you're allowed to say that.
1: (laughs) I'm allowed because I'm one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, no. And I think, okay, well, so then I would say then, my my first associative thought to that is like yeah. there's two things that come to mind one is do you feel like you had to overcome a lot in terms of like an outsider kind of status that's one and then two is also how important was punk to you
0: very 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 important i'm going to a- answer them backwards and then okay. the answer to the first question is i felt like an outsider there was i did have some camaraderie there um, but I think more importantly, I had to work to find interesting things. It, it didn't bother me that much. It was just like, oh, I can go to Fresno or Merced and get a record or a skateboard.
1: That's a little difference because luckily in San Luis Obispo, which is only 10 miles, yeah, we had a really good record store. Yeah. still, still there. And we had shows sometimes. I didn't have to go to LA or San Francisco to get some culture. Yeah. I just had to get on the on the bus. Sure. Right.
0: Anyways. I don't know. We have a connection. It it may it may have not revealed itself yet.
1: I mean it could also just be one of those weird things. Uh you know Stephen King's fantasy series? The the Tower one? I don't read him that much, but I don't know. The Dark Tower.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. The Dark Tower
1: series, there's this concept of um, like a a group of people who are tied together across space and time kind of thing. It's like Ka. Maybe we're in the same
0: Ka. Oh, interesting. K A, I think.
1: And it's like we could be in the same Ka and a bunch of other people we kind of mutually know or like don't mutually know. Gosh,
0: I love this.
1: Isn't that cool? And it's just like. It doesn't mean that you're really that, like like you and I, like we're not wrapped up in each other's lives in any way. Yeah. But we have this little connection and can talk yeah. and stuff. And, and
0: for some reason, there's been a, some sort of magnetic power keeping us together I on think, some level.
1: Yeah, I think that happens in life, but I do think it happens a lot on the road and with musicians. Yeah. It's a very strange phenomenon. It's one of the magic bits that makes it worthwhile.
0: Right. Yeah. Let's talk about your new record. Please. It's called Let's Look Back. Man. And, um, man, I dug into it pretty heavily last couple of days, and I love it. Thank you. It's a, it's, I, I don't want to use the word indie. I don't know why. I don't care, but. That's it's, fine. It's a, it's a power pop record. It's a very lush power pop record. Yeah. Um. Thank
1: you. That's what that is what I was going
0: for. Yeah. Your <laughs> and the song arrangements are very interesting. Your vocal arrangements specifically are rad. It's it's word for word and it's the big stuff, even bridge versus chorus kind of stuff, but it really keeps the listener interested. And it's fun to also read your lyrics along with the record, which some records are good for that and some aren't. This one is mm-hmm. perfect for that. I think that's all of your craft and thoughtfulness. Um, the other thing about your record, and I often listen to records in cars. I often talk about this, but it's one of my favorite places to listen to the record. Mm-hmm. I can tell when a record carries an energy, and I was kind of having troubles describing it. And it has a pop energy, which generally can, for me, can kind of keep me, psyched and going. But there's a vibrancy to each and every song. And it's like, sonic frequency, obviously structure. But your record was over twice while I was driving today, before I was like, oh, I just listened to the record twice. There's an energy to it that I I can't find words for that
2: is
0: through every song, though. It's not just, you know, one song. It's just... Keeps you involved.
1: Well, thank you. I mean, I think, I think a word I would use is fizzy. It's a bit fizzy.
0: It is like, fizzy. Yeah.
1: I will just say that, like, I think a lot of what you're describing, liking about the record, I want to attribute to a couple of different things. So, I had a producer on this record for the first time. I've never done that, mm-hmm. um, and I asked Zach from Rogue Wave to produce the record because I really respect him. I've known him for a long time as well from touring and stuff like that. Um, We've just been friends and there's a few Rogue Wave records that I really love and I admire a lot of what he does production wise or has done on his records vocally and textures. He's really good at achieving these textures and layering things in a certain way. And, and it's not just Zach, it's also Pat Spurgeon from Rogue Wave, the drummer. Yeah. Who's not just a drummer, he's also a keyboardist,
0: sure.
1: uh amazing human being.
0: Yeah.
1: But anyway, and Pat played drums on the record and also played keys and also played percussion and like probably like threw a a microphone against a, you know, like piece of metal or whatever he does in his basement in Portland. But so having the pair of them working on the songs from the beginning of the project to the end, all wow. the way through. Yeah was really special. And, you know, I want to just give credit where it's due. I think a lot of those things that you mentioned are a hundred percent, like their footprint on the songs that I wrote. Okay, And so I'm, I'm, I was just, I am a fan of the record too. And I feel like I could say that because, because I stepped back in some ways and watched them work and let them do some things. And it was like fascinating and weird. And I'd never done anything like that, but the result, I'm like, wow, this is beautiful. You know, I just want to talk about like that. The production of the record was as very important as like the songwriting, yeah, and the performing, which you know was me performing. Um, Pat on drums, and then my friend Adam Nash playing a lot of stuff: guitar, keyboards, bass, sometimes. But yeah, I I really enjoyed working with that team. Oh, and the other thing too is sonically, I recorded this record with Ian and Jay Polici. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've worked with both of them on different things for like a decade. Everything I've released since about 2011 has been involved one or the other of them, at least on mixing, if not on like being in the studio. They're such a good team. And they run this studio called Brothers, parentheses, Chinese, parentheses, recording, Brothers, Chinese recording in Oakland, which used to be called New Improved and that studio is like um where like tun yards recorded and people like that back in the day anyway they're just so good at what they do and the difference you know this like the difference of working with absolute pros in a really beautiful good environment with great gear and people like those those two also have been working with me long enough they know me and they know what i do in the studio and and they also like they're supportive in a way you know what i mean like yeah. I, they just like they're part of the little team i mean they're like part of my band in a way especially for the record so it was just such a team effort is what i'm trying to say is like yeah i had just the best nicest coolest people and work on the thing it was great great experience
0: it sounds like the cohesion of a team
1: everyone's just uh, all those people are so lovely
0: and i want to talk a little bit more about your process and, and specifically how you made this record but um First, where were you when you started writing these tunes? Were you in a state of looking back? What what does looking back mean to you?
1: Well, to be honest, um, the record didn't start out as being the thing it ended up being. So the majority of the songs were written between 2020 and 2021. But I started writing a lot of the songs that ended up on the record right around when I signed to Kill Rock Stars. Okay. So I was writing songs with the idea that maybe I had a place for them. And I was coming out of a very long period of not writing. Okay. I haven't been in music for a long time. Not in any serious way. Right. So the
0: last... How long had it been? It had
1: been like eight years. Okay. Like my last serious quote-unquote band that I you know was actually out on the road doing things ended in 2013
0: what band was that
1: it was called churches with a u Mm. but so it had been eight years i feel like i i left music with kind of a bitter taste in my mouth just in terms of it hadn't gone i had i had a really good time but it hadn't gone exactly where i wanted it to go and you know how it is it's hard it's a grind and I, I took a lot of time off and I did a lot of stuff and I became a librarian and I All right. I started working at a university and then I got another master's in English and have been in that world very much and like started writing poems and kind of developing this other life. So signing to Kill rock stars, which, you know, is its own story, was just like this huge, very strange to me, like turn of events where I was kind of done, you know, with music. I was still doing things here and there for fun mm-hmm. and cuz I I need to write stuff, you know. But it was like so weird to think like, oh, I might be able to write for someone, you know, and make make some records again. And it was an amazing turn of events for me. Um so yeah, the songs on the record are very much about or they're very much written at that beginning point where it looked like there was this new chapter that I was not anticipating. Right. I had no idea, you know, I had no idea. And so it was beautiful. It was a really beautiful moment for me. And um, it was also a painful moment too, because it was like, it had been this long break and I had the, had this up and down sort of experience with the music industry. And a lot of that has to do with like panic and anxiety mm-hmm. problems that I that I struggled with back back then a lot, but I didn't quite know what I was dealing with. Okay. And yeah. it was during that that eight-year interim that I really handled that.
0: Oh. Ah, okay.
1: By going to lots of therapy. Yeah. And figuring out why can't I get on an airplane? I don't know if you remember this about me, but
0: I don't. That was no, like a, I didn't know that.
1: That was a big thing for me that made being in a touring band difficult. I had a really hard time flying. I had a really hard time in cities sometimes, even just being in a city would freak yeah. me out. Um, which maybe that's some of that small town stuff. But you know, so I had figured all of that out and then miraculously, magically, you know, this new opportunity just showed yeah. up right around when I had just like I'd handled it, you know. Yeah. And then here you go. Here's another shot. So I was writing songs from a place of like thinking about a listener, actually.
0: Seems like it. You me? know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was thinking like, all right, what, what kind of album do I want to make in the future? Yeah. But, you know, originally the whole project was going to be a, a lot more conceptual. And I wrote like 20 songs and I sent them to Zach and we, we worked together on picking, you know, which I think we did about 14 or 15 mm-hmm. a total. But then the album I delivered to kill rock stars was a lot different than this album yeah. initially. Um, it was long, it was longer and it had a very different track list and had a different name. Ah. Um, Yeah. And the response was, this is all great, but have you thought that maybe this is one album and a couple of EPs? Yeah. And I and I thought about it for a while, you know, and I was like, I don't know. But this is also like one of the things that is really cool um, coming from now, like more of a writing practice, poetry and academic writing. Um, I never would have done this like in my music life, like 12 years ago or whatever. I never would have been like open to people talking about the music in this way like being like what if we did this what if we did this like workshopping sure and i'm so glad i have that because we talked it through and like came up with like well what really is in this group of songs and where do they belong in relation to each other just like you would do with like a book of poems like if you have an editor and you're like working with your editor, well what what sequence works the best like i'm doing a phd in poetry right now and so like part of my phd is a book of poems and so I meet with my advisor and we talk about the sequence of things and we talk about what fits and we talk about what lines fit and what doesn't fit and what could be revised, all of that. So I had that process a bit with Slim Moon himself, like talking through, which was, I'm like, well, you definitely, you definitely know what you're talking about. (laughs) So I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm happy to listen to you. And like, so then, you know, Let's expand this idea of a team. It wasn't just the people producing the music too. Like Kill Rock Stars was helping me craft this record, and that's that was an interesting exercise. And you know, a couple of the songs that ended up on the record, like Christmas California, I wrote that song in two thousand eleven, actually. Yeah. So that's an oldie. Yeah. Um, you re-recorded saw, another one. Yeah, we just did another draft. I thought this is a really good song, but I think, you know, I thought, and Zach thought like we could do this better. And I, I am like a huge fan of the idea that like this idea that no form is final. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to mess with things. I'm happy to like try any old song in a different way. I do this with my poetry a lot. I'll publish it, a, a poem in a journal and I'll, it'll be very different in my chat book. And then if it makes it into a collection, you know, it might be different again. And I want all those versions to exist. Because it's telling its own story. Yeah. Yeah. So is it about looking back? I mean, kind of. What ended up happening really thematically is that the record became the selection of songs for me became a lot about getting over PTSD, panic attacks, childhood abuse, Mm. some some interpersonal stuff too. Um, you know, it's just about moving on. Yeah. In a positive way. It's about you gotta look back and you've gotta you've gotta take stock. Like I was saying, like I had to take a break from music. I couldn't do it anymore. You know how I knew that was I being on stage always used to be a safe place for me. Nothing bad really happened to me, which is lucky. Like I never had stage fright or anything like that. Yeah. But in the last year of churches, um, I started having panic attacks while playing.
0: Oh God. And Holy let fuck. me
1: tell you. Having a panic attack while you're the front man of a band and there's a couple hundred people watching you, it's the worst. Yeah. It's the worst thing. And I remember we, it was me, and Pat Spurgeon was in this band with me. We were playing this show in Oakland outside at like this festival, and we were in the middle of the day. It was really hot. And I just, two songs in or something, I just was convinced I was going to die.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. And I... I cu- it just seems like a dream to me. I mean, a nightmare. Oh, but it doesn't seem like a controllable situation that is happening, which is what a dream feels like.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There is a dream logic to it. Um, I That set, you know, I cut this set short. I mean, I just walked off. And we had only played for 15 minutes. Wow. And that was pretty much the end. I was like, well, I can't do this anymore. I've avoided this problem as much as I can avoid it. And now I have to go face it yeah. confront it, which is what I spent most of my 30s doing. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I guess I mean, but at the same time, let's look back isn't about that specifically. It's definitely not a narrative. Yeah. It's just okay. there those those bits are in the songs, like the song Albatross is a it is just my way of talking about how you, what you gotta do. It's a big thrashy song against that feeling yeah. and looking at, looking at panic anxiety as this other being and you've got to like, let it do its thing. Yeah. And it's lying. And the big thing is it's lying to you and you've got to go, you're a liar. I'm moving on from you. Yeah. You know,
0: and, and to Albatross, I think I I took the words in that song as taking back the power of just kind of a bullshit notion. A superstition, right? Totally. And I, I just love that idea. And I really love to rail against superstition. Sure. Because it's garbage.
1: I mean, yeah, it, it is. I mean, magic is cool and real. Yeah. And But also, like, the other side of it, where you feel cursed, or you feel whatever. And mm, maybe there's something, and it, you know... You you get you do get to decide at a certain point if you're going to subscribe to that or not, and I think some people have a harder time with it than others. Yeah,
0: I would I would assume so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's so good to be kind, but like, yeah, you got to just you really do have to call bullshit. Yes. <laughs>
0: um, I'm going to play albatross. Cool with you? We like it. Here we go. <sighs> tips and tails as i said that's my um my current banger
1: thank you yeah i was surprised when the label picked it as a single yeah i was like oh
0: okay let's go with that
1: great why were you surprised i don't know because because there's so many songs on the front half that are so obviously single-ish um and so it was a bit of an interesting choice um, so I don't know who's who really pushed for that one, but i I think it was cool. we certainly recording that song s- the sonic ingredients are really interesting, like especially the bass we worked a lot on the bass sound, which has a lot of like interesting chorusy there was some there were some talks of nevermind, of course, yeah like how to try to achieve some of that in a different glossier way yeah um and that the sound at the beginning is just me um you know, the thing you can do where you like reverse scream. Yes. I was just doing that into my phone. Oh. So some of those sounds were just, I mean, it was us messing around, which was cool. This is another reason, like, I know people record at their houses and it's really comfy and that's great. And I do too sometimes. Sure. But it was cool to be in the studio environment all together for like a solid week.
0: Oh yeah. Doing
1: doing the basics and then trying to flesh out some of the songs. Like we got to sit around and talk and make, weird noises together
0: yeah grandpa here still likes the studio
1: grandpa yeah grandpa Uh, as um, (laughs) a fellow almost grandpa i i i too like it
0: i i mean but i also just record all i record all over the place i and i like the studio it's great it's fun i like recording sound checks on stage that's one of my favorite recording environments but um to the idea of recording in a studio, I want to hear a little bit about your process or the specific process. Did you go in with, was it your kind of standard thing? It's like, here's my tunes. Let's improve on well, that. Well,
1: yes, yes and no. So like the process was, I wrote songs. I made demos by myself using probably Logic at that point and like fake drum, fake drummer on Logic and like, a, a mic, you know, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah.
1: Played played a bunch of stuff, tried a bunch of stuff out. And then Adam Nash and I made more demos actually from those. We actually took those and we started making more demos because we had started playing live together mm-hmm. um, a lot. And he was a new addition to like my orbit of musicians I work with. Yeah. And so I liked what he was doing, especially on guitar. Um, and so we started working on them too. And so we crafted more demos together. And then we sent those to Zach um, when we when we decided that we were actually doing an album because there were you know there was a time where we weren't sure what we were gonna do because we released an album with Kill Rock Stars that was already done that was my fir- well my first release with them was an EP but like the first album cycle was like just they they wanted this album yeah and so like they it was just delivered so then we had a an expansive time where we were touring and we were playing shows and we were writing or I was writing and like these things were just kind of coming together. So a lot of, I mean, the cool part about this record too, and maybe it's evident on the record is a lot of the songs were road tested really thoroughly. A lot of the arrangements were kind of vetted, like what works well, where and how Um, particularly, I think Adam was able to develop the guitar arrangements a lot on the road as he learned the songs live. So, you know, I would say most of the record, well, no, actually, maybe like half of the record are songs that are, have been in our set for like a year. Oh, okay, cool.
0: Yeah.
1: And then the other half are songs and I'm like, how are we going to do that one? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Now we need five people. I don't think we have the budget for that. But here's the thing. It was actually really interesting. Like, so we chose the personnel for it and Pat was the drummer choice we went with even though Pat lives in Portland and I'm living in San Luis Obispo and Adam was in San Francisco, I'm not sure where he is. And, you know, we didn't rehearse or anything. We had not played these songs. Really. We didn't have like a big, like month of like, let's jam and figure this out. But we knew, we knew Pat could do it. Cause you know, I mean, if I say drums are the most important bit, I'm, I know that you'll agree with me.
0: (laughs) drums and vocals
1: <laughs> yeah i mean actually so like <laughs> i was worried actually because i love Pat, i know how good he is but like i was like well we haven't been playing that much and zach's like don't worry about it i've yeah. been making records with this guy forever he can do amazing things and then he did and he just plays so well and so on time and
0: yeah it's a great it's drummer he's a great drummer gosh darn it um i want to ask you about the other part of your life, which, as you mentioned, is writing and poetry. And I'm curious as to whether how you think about both of these artistic outputs. If you think of, you know, my first sort of dumbish thought is like, Caleb's lyrics, are they his poetry work, or are they his rock and roll work? But that just kind of got me thinking, how you, I'm curious as to how you operate and consider your output considering you significantly do these two, two disciplines?
1: Yeah. Um, it's a good question because it is a lot kind of, <laughs> but they're really different things. And that doesn't mean there's no overlap and there certainly is. And I, it's a really interesting question. Like, a question I get asked a lot is what is the difference between like song lyrics and poetry? Yeah.
0: Right. And I didn't mean to say that's dumb. I might've said it's dumb, but I was just referring to my dumb brain.
1: No, I think that's the, I think that's like a very, that makes sense that that's a, that's a question. I mean, and I'll tell you why it's a good question actually is because there are some clear answers to that. Like, you know, you could say something like, well, poetry is so much about, what happens on the page and I'm using quotation marks, What yeah. what is going on on the page, the use of space, the use of line breaks, the way it looks, when you encounter it in a book or in a journal or something, when you see the printed page. But I think that notion is pretty challenged by lyric books, by artists like Bjork, yeah. um, by the fact that Faber and Faber, which is like the biggest publishing house in the UK, just published an edition of Kate Bush's lyrics as, as if they were a book of poetry that Kendrick Lamar won a Pulitzer prize for damn, right. Which is a literary prize. So I think the question is a really good one and worth thinking about. And many people have um, written like long discourses, like long books on the topic. And that's something that I'm actually really thinking a lot about lately Mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm thinking about what is going on with these two things. What's really that different? what's the same how does one inform the other like a lot of my poems you might not be surprised to learn like have musical references or lyrical references or sometimes refer to a song title in the title of the poem to set some kind of tone or to refer to to that lyrical content in okay. some way yeah that's a thing i'm fond of doing so music is always present in my work or often present pop music though like indie rock and yeah the things that we all like listening to. That's just there because I write about life and that's part of life. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I could literally talk for hours and hours and hours about these ideas, but safe to say there is a difference and yet
0: is there. And your second PhD.
1: (laughs) God, please. I'm in the final year of my current one and I'm, I will just let you know.
0: Yeah, it is
1: really hard.
0: I have two. So you do? No, that was good though. Oh. You believe me? <laughs> that good. That was good. No, I, I
1: was gonna oh. say like this is how we're connected, <laughs> and then I was like, no, because if you if you had to, you'd definitely be like the doctor, the Doctor Plumber show. That's dot dot tour talk. Doctor Tur- Joe.
0: Doctor Joe.
1: <laughs> I was thinking my next record will have to be something like just with the doctor or, oh, I hope. or like I hope or so like the doctor's in yeah or, um, what's up doc
0: just I would just start with any of the uses of doctor in 80s 90s glam rock just fish around in that filthy pond for a while
1: it sounds it sounds dirty and
0: run the other way or run jump in there
1: jump jump head first yeah
0: But I'm not a a record title producer, so. But it can be. Hit me up. You could be. Yeah. I'll. Yeah. Um, what's up with touring? Are you ready to tour? Are you doing some touring?
1: I am doing a bit. Um, I've been doing as much as I humanly possibly can for the last two years. And that's been a that's been it's funny because getting back into it was a learning curve for a second. And I was like, oh, I remember these things. Yeah. (laughs) I remember waiting around. I remember. Oh, this is why you smoke so many cigarettes. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is the one. Sh- here's the show where no one came. Like all the things. Um, oh, this is the long drive where we lose our minds. Um, but I've been I've been doing a lot of touring in the U K because I've been living there, mm-hmm. and so I've been playing as much as I can there. And like, I I like do solo shows a lot of the time. Sometimes the band comes over when it's a proper thing, but like, I'll just go play four or five shows by myself oh, with a guitar.
0: Yeah.
1: I'll go, I'll get on the train. I'll go to a place. So great. I'll walk to the venue. It's amazing. Yeah. It's like the dream, to be honest. And um, I've just met a lot of really nice people in the UK. They have a very well networked DIY scene. Great. Because the country is really small. So you can know a few people and then by extension, know a lot of other people. And, people are really supportive and like, I'm a queer musician and there's a lot of support for that. I feel like, like when I'm meeting someone, I can say like, well, I'm a queer non-binary person on this record label and people will like appreciate and want to know about that. and like want to support my work. And I think that's really cool. And I felt, I've just played a lot of great venues with a lot of really good promoters with a lot of really cool, mostly punk bands Uh that are just like with it and they know what's up and they're like, Just the greatest people. I mean, I attempted to like shout out a bunch of them, but like, I just will say generally, I've been having a great time touring in the UK. It's a totally different, as you know.
2: That's
0: the best news I've heard in a long time. Thank you. It's
1: been lovely. Yeah. So we're doing, we're doing like um a bunch of U.S. shows as part of this tour called Kill Rock Stars and Friends, and we're we're one of several bands playing every night. But we'll be we'll be in Seattle at the Croc. Great. Portland at Polaris Hall.
0: The new Croc is fantastic, by the way.
1: I haven't been yet. So yeah. that's the other thing too. I think you could probably appreciate this is like coming back into music and a lot of stuff is gone. Yeah. The ecosystem's totally changed.
0: Yeah.
1: But it's cool when you see the new iterations of things and also you see the stuff that's still there and you play a room that you haven't played in like 10 years yeah. and you're like, wow, this is kind of a nice feeling. Yeah. So, yeah, we're doing some U.S. stuff. We're doing some U.K. stuff uh, in November as well. And I think we're going back to Italy, but we haven't confirmed it yet.
0: Okay, cool. So I'll play drums when you go to Italy. All right, I'll talk to you later. I'll do it for you. Ciao, baby. Ciao. I want to go to Italy so bad.
1: Um, Best tour experience I've had was was last winter in Italy.
0: Yeah. Because... Tell me, tell me.
1: We're a really small band, you know. And we, for some reason, I don't have a booking agent. Let me just say that publicly. So, hello. <laughs> I, help me. <laughs> it's really hard. But um, so I don't have a US agent or a UK agent, but I do for some reason have a booking agent in Italy.
0: Yes, that's all that matters. That's
1: just, and so it's like I, I guess if I had to choose, like you get one. Yeah. <laughs> you get one country. I'm like, sure. Yeah. And I didn't really know. It's just because we have a, we I don't know. It's just luck. Yeah. So so. We went to Italy, it was my first time there, and we only played like five shows. It was just like a week. But man, every show is like catered with like the most Ugh. insanely good food. And but they will say like, Oh, we'll do catering and a meal. Yeah. So like you get there's food everywhere. There's just food everywhere. It's the best food. And like the one thing it is pretty meaty sure. and obviously cheesy.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh so it could be difficult if you have restrictions. I, I tend to not eat those things. But when I'm in Italy,
0: kind eh, of do. Yeah, literally um, one in have Rome. To... I have I have <laughs> just... done a one in Rome thing. Oh, eat. Uh, is it, eat. Is it kind of dirty? No, I wasn't dirty. Well, it was buried okay. in the ground for six oh. months. It was salami. I'm a pescatarian, and I was yeah. convinced. This doctor said meat's not bad for you. And I was like, I, I know it's not bad for you. The look in his eyes. He was just like, it's been buried in the ground. We've been waiting. It's part of a festival. It wasn't just like celebrating Joe Plummer and he was just pleading with me and I love salami I just don't eat it yeah right it was so fucking good
1: but don't you think also in Italy like in places like that where the cuisine is so important to them I felt this is how how I felt because I was trying to kind of toe the line between these things because I don't I don't ever eat mammals period that's like my one thing yeah I just don't eat them um I partake of their milk though.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) But I don't eat the flesh of the mammal. So I was getting the sense that like by saying no to things, it was hurting people's feelings. It is. And these are people that are hosting you and they totally. So I just was like, okay, it's a week, whatever. And then I was like, oh, this is (laughs) so good. It's so good. So that experience, but like, it was not just like the food, the people, the crowds there, like, the people, the promoters did their job. People came yeah, and they're so good and they're so nice and they're so attentive and sometimes a little crazy. And you play really late at night. There was this time we were in this place um, in the South of Italy, San Marina, San Marino. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what it was called? My partner's in Uh, the other room. San Salvo Marina. San Salvo Marina. Mm -hmm. Anyway. And we didn't start playing till like midnight and there's all these people and everyone's smoking because it's kind of inside, but it's kind of outside. And it's just very, I'm like, this is very seventies and it's kind of like a little bit of a rundown vibe, but it's packed. Yeah. And the guy, the promoter had told us at dinner, he's like, Oh, this is the first show we've had post COVID. And I'm like, wow, what an honor. And there were these girls in the front and they, they, I think they were there for something else. You know, Mm -hmm. they were like at a table. I think they were there for like some party. party birthday party or something. And, but then they were, like, getting really into it. And then my name is above us or whatever, <laughs> Caleb. And they started just going,
2: Caleb,
1: Caleb! And, like, yelling, Caleb, Caleb! Like, throughout the whole set. So, like, I mean, they were just having a laugh. But, like, it was just this moment where I was like, yeah, okay. Italy's, Italy's pretty good.
0: Okay. It's the well, best. Again. Um...
1: So all I have to do to get you to play drums with me is to invite you to Italy.
0: Yep, that's it. <laughs> um okay well I'm going to hopefully uh, see some of these shows and see you let's 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 reduce the 6 years this is I'm trying to be realistic here to 3 excluding yeah. this year because now we've seen each other and I want to see you play these songs yeah. so
1: yeah I think it's November 1st in Seattle
0: Okay I'll be Just here Just
1: FYI
0: Great let me know if you need anything but I'll see you okay. um on November 1st in Seattle Congrats on the record.
1: Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. October
0: 13th, KRS, Kill Rock Stars. Kill Rock Stars. Okay, man. It was great to see you. Go have a great practice. Bye. Bye.